Good morning. Good to see you this morning. My name is Don. Um, some of you know me, some of you don't, and uh, that's good either way, actually. So. <laughs> You've been going through the book of Philippians. The second chapter is where we're at today. The theme has been um, moving, so my understanding is kind of like how God moves us in our life. Here's the interesting thing. Every time we think about moving and progressing in our life, we always think linear or upward. From here to there, God's moving me. Or North Scottsdale people, upwardly mobile. From here to there. You would not live in this area if you really caught a hold of a truth that shatters that success is only looked at from here to there. Because in God's economy, he says, I want you to catch something. You have to descend into greatness. You have to descend into greatness. The values of success for our culture are not always the values of success in God's kingdom. You quit smiling. <laughs> so today we're going to look at this and let you digest it a little bit. What I'd like you to do is to look with me at the greatest Christological statement, perhaps in all the Bible, the greatest statement of Jesus Christ. In fact, it is so unbelievable, I think it's worthy of us standing to hear God's word. Would you stand with me and hear the word of God? Philippians, the second chapter, starting in verse 5, Paul says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Here it is. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You may be seated. You have to be a pretty hard-hearted person not to like babies. I mean, I, I just like to smell their scalp. That's where it usually ends, but the scalp is a good smell. This last week, we saw a picture of a little uh, ultrasound of our newest granddaughter. We've got a granddaughter on the way, Jared and Marcy. I keep telling them, the church that you're trying to grow, you don't have to do it all on your own. <laughs> Let others come into this thing, but they've got, they've got this system. <sighs> but we are so excited about this little granddaughter and, uh, and I'm looking at this little photo of her, and I'm going, Un unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it just, it just racks your heart out. 
And, and knowing that, that now several weeks, if you back that up all the way to an embryo, you wouldn't even be able to see that life that is in the mother's womb. But that's pretty spectacular truth. And then when you consider that Jesus one, once in his life was that embryo in his mother's womb. If you go back to biology, you know that an embryo is smaller than a, a half a grain of sand. That's pretty tiny. All of us were embryos at one time. Your kids were embryos. Your grandkids were embryos. Here's the difference. When, when, before you were an embryo, you were nothing. Zilch. Before Jesus was an embryo, half a grain of sand, he was everything. He was something huge, something big. And yet he became that small, half a grain of sand. Now most of us, when we think about Jesus, we kind of put him in this category of a committee. He's kind of the, the assistant God to a lot of us. You know, he's, he's, the, uh, he's the one that is the second person of the Trinity, but maybe not quite as high as God. More like um, a backup quarterback. You know, he stands on the sidelines with the, with the tablet waiting to, to get in. And, and we, we think of him sometimes only beginning in Bethlehem as an embryo, but he was, he was the second person of the Holy Trinity from eternity past. We know what eternity future is, go and go and go and go and go and go. We can handle that. Eternity past is go and go and go and go and go and go and go in the past and never end. There's never a beginning. That makes my mind go beep, but that's where Jesus was. Forever and ever and ever and ever. The second person of the Trinity. That means he, when he considers himself, he looks at himself and he recognizes, I am fully God. I am equal with God, the text says. There is no difference. In Isaiah 6, when the angels are gathered around and they're viewing the Heavenly Father and they're crying out, holy, 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 and they're singing praises 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're singing the praises of Jesus the Son every bit as much as God the Father and God the Spirit. When, Jesus, or when God in, in um, Genesis, the first chapter, says, let us make man in our image, he's talking every bit as much to Jesus, who was as fully there and present as God himself was. In fact, in, in uh, Colossians, the first chapter, there's this statement of Jesus that, that just blows me away. It's, it's about as supreme of a statement of Jesus as this second chapter in Philippians. It's in the 16th and 17th verse of first chapter of Colossians. It says this, For by him, Jesus, all things were created in, in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things are held together. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, his position with God, his rights with God, something to be grasped. He let go. And as he let go of, that, of those rights and those, that prerogative and that, that prestige and, and that the, every accolade you can give that, as he let go of it, he found himself 
descending all the way down to the womb of a teenage girl in the Middle East and found himself no larger than a half a grain of sand as an embryo. Now, any way you want to look at that, that's a step down. That's about the largest step down in, the, in human history. That's a demotion from where you are <laughs> to there. How do you do with those kind of things? How does that work for you when you lose a little stature? When you have to take a step down? If you're like me, not very good. Hate it. I was in, many years ago flying in an airplane across the country. It was a long flight. I was in about the third row in the economy section in the middle seat like this, which is the way I sit in those things because I can't move anywhere. And, and I'm envious of the front row uh, of that plane up to the wall, you know, where you know what's on the other side of the wall, you know. But <laughs> on the wall, there's, there's a little more leg room and there's a little more, you know, and, and, and it's empty. There's nobody in that row. And I'm going, as soon as this thing gets, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm jumping over this person and I'm there. And about that time, there's a little rough, ruffle up in the, on the other side of the wall. I don't know who it was. Somebody one day just said, we're going to build a wall, and the economy is going to pay for it. The economy section is going to pay. <laughs> and on the other side of that wall, <laughs> there's a little rustling going on. And they, uh, they have a mix-up. And they make this business person sit back just one row, only about three feet, but on the other side of the wall. <laughs> and that dude had a face as red as can be as he was making his way back to the seats that I was envious of, red as can be, veins sticking out in his head and his neck. And he, he must have known the flight attendant pretty well because he questioned her heritage even her species, really. And he said he knew her destination for eternity and invited her to go there. And I'm going, whoa, whoa. He, he didn't do well with that downward step. Jesus not only is equal with God, but all the prerogatives of heaven are his forever eternity. And he, he lets go of the prerogatives. Now, heaven's not a bad place. In, in fact, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, it says this about heaven. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Our minds have yet to conceive of what heaven is like. It's too big. It's too much for us. And Jesus has lived there for all eternity all the beauty and the prerogatives of heaven. And when he lets go, and he, he no longer grasps onto it, he finds himself descending for you and me, for a mission that he's called to. Now, a number of years ago, when, when we were getting ready to, to buy this property, Lori and I were having our 25th wedding anniversary, and we were right in the middle of raising money. We needed at least a million dollars. At that time, I think we were trying to raise 1.5, even, even though we, it, God did a big thing. But, uh, and so uh, we're sitting up in the high school, 
and, I, and I'm doing this sermon series, trying to get everybody revved up to give, you know, loosen up them pocketbooks because, and, and you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I just heard from other pastors, what you do is you share what you're going to give, hoping that will inspire them to give as well. And so um, I did, and I, 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 I just, I did it thinking, okay, let's see what happens. And, and I had been, we had been um, saving money to go on a cruise for our 25th wedding anniversary. And I just shared, um, I'm, I'm going to give that. We're going we're gonna to go on a cruise another time. I'm going to give that to the building, to the property fund. And, uh, I, I, you know, I didn't say the number, what it was, whatever. Just I hope you'll consider uh, sacrificing as well because my marriage is over after this. <laughs> and and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so we do. And I don't know, it's like the next week or whatever, all of a sudden... We start getting word that those in the church thought that's a very valiant thing to do, Don, but we want you to go and enjoy your 25th wedding anniversary with Lori, the bride and love of your life. And so uh, we're going to get you there, and not on a cruise, we're going to get you to Hawaii, all expenses paid. I'm going, well, can you just maybe like give that to the, no, don't worry about the, the property. And Somebody had airplane tickets. Somebody had a timeshare in Maui. Somebody had a connection with a, with a, uh, a rental car. And a bunch of people gave us enough money where we had $2,000 to spend any way we wanted. Now, what I had never told the church was the cruise we were going to was just a little boat cruise over on Lake Pleasant. <laughs> but... Uh, but uh, no, that's not true. It's the only time we've ever been to Hawaii, and I'm telling you what, Hawaii was—you guys know—it's unbelievable. The sun, the surf, and and here's how we usually travel, especially in those days with three young kids. This is how we travel. Uh, even though it's only going to be the two of us, uh, it would be great to have like a nice meal tonight. So let's skip lunch, have a, have a breakfast, maybe we can find some donut or something laying around the hotel, and then we'll have, we might have skipped food the whole day, but now we got all this cash, and we can eat not only a good dinner, but a good lunch and a good breakfast every day. Every day we'd wake up, and, and I went to the concierge, which I didn't even know how to pronounce at that time, and just said, give us what you think's fun, and he laid out this whole schedule, and I said, boom, here's the money. Line it up, and every day we went. When we came back, there was a chocolate on our, our little pillow at night. Well, there was one on mine. I don't know what happened to the lorries, but there were. There. And, and, you know, we got a pineapple, and we got, Lori had this beautiful lay. And, and it, it didn't take even seven days there for us to finally decide, we don't want to come home. We don't want to. We do not. Let's stay here forever. I don't want to go home. You know, to the slums of North Scottsdale. I mean, I mean, it's not like we're going to Calcutta. I mean, we're going to North Scott, and I still don't want to go. Oh, this is the best possible. Can you imagine Jesus? I mean, we can't even conceive of what heaven is like. And Jesus is all he's known is this, but he doesn't grasp it. He lets go of it. He lets go of it. And he says he, he takes on human likeness. That means. As great of a step downward as this was, 
How low can it get? Well, how about being born in an animal stable as he, as he takes on his human likeness? We romanticize it with Christmas and lights and all that kind of stuff. It's a barnyard. There's stinking, smelly animals everywhere. There's what I'm, and I'm sure if I went to either one of my daughter-in-laws and said, hey, why don't you save some money and just have your next kid in the barn? <laughs> That's not going to go. There's a thing called germs, which maybe they didn't know about in those days. You're not going to do, how much lower can it go than that? Well, how about a maniacal king named Herod who chases a nab because he's engineering this, this baby genocide and he wants to kill Jesus and so his folks and him are running scared, fleeing through Egypt to try to get away. I mean, can't get any worse than that. Well, not only did he have this human likeness, he voluntarily not only steps down from heaven and steps into the world as a human, but he, he then takes on the nature. He puts on this, this cloak in his, in his, of, of, him, of, his, of his very personhood that becomes a servant. The nature of a servant. So that one day he's having dinner with his, his disciples and they're going... Who's the greatest? Who can sit on the left hand and the right hand? Mama loves me better than you. I'm not him. And on and on and on. They're just going. And, and finally, Jesus, because he has this nature of the servant, teaches them a lesson that greatness is not from here to up there. Greatness is descending. He takes a cloak and he wraps it around himself and he gets a basin of water and he stoops down and he washes their smelly feet every one of his disciples. The nature of a servant. He says, when you do this, you'll be blessed. Catch a glimpse of the way the economy of our kingdom works. I mean, not only was he, was he showing his disciples what servanthood was, he would stand up and he would describe God's words from heaven, the kingdom up there, bringing it down here, and people with less than a third grade education would laugh at him and scoff at him not only to ignore him but mock him how much lower can it get jesus i think it lower than that that trail of descending soon goes to the point where one man that he had poured three years of his life into betrays him the followers of him, his, his closest friends, when he need him, needed them the most, were nowhere to be found. How low can you go, Jesus? Can't get much lower than yet? Yeah. How about accused of crimes he did not commit? So that he's beaten and flogged. So that before long they're spitting at him and they're cursing him. Can't get much worse than that. The very people that he made this great move of dissension are now beating him. He's, one, he's come to save them and redeem them. Beat. It can't get any worse than that. And then it says this. He humbled himself. Looks like that's already happened. No, he humbled himself. Even to the point of death. Death on a cross. How much worse can it get for you, Jesus? How about hanging on a cross with all the sin of the world on his shoulder who knew no sin. All he knew was sinlessness. And now he has your sin 
and he has my sin on his shoulder. Just the combination of that would be enough for one person. But much more than that, all the sin of those who have ever lived, all the sin of those who ever will live in the whole world on his shoulder and receiving the punishment and the shame and the guilt for that so that you won't have to. Can it get any worse than that? Yes, death. The arsenal, the, the greatest weapon in the toolbox of the enemy, the final weapon, death. He has to experience. So he goes from glory of heaven all the way down to humanity incarnated, all the way down to, the, to death where, where the enemy himself is, is, is celebrating what has happened. It can't get any worse than that. It can't get any lower than that. And he did it all voluntarily. Voluntarily. For his redemptive purposes of you and me living forever. I mean, it's almost like time out, time out. I mean, we just need to stop. I mean, you don't have to go any further. Just time out and, and let's worship Jesus, you know. Let's, let's take communion. Let's... let's Let's do something, let's sing, let's repent, let's get on our knees, whatever. I mean, when you capture the glory of the incarnation, it, it's mind-boggling. Once a week on Sunday is not enough to, to give adoration and praise to such an awesome Jesus. Did it for us. But that's not the, that's not the, the conjecture of, of Paul as he writes this. He throws this hook in there that just unsettles me so much. It, it, it almost makes my stomach turn. He, he puts it in this context. As you, as you look at Jesus and all that he's done, as, he, as Jesus has showed us that it will really be great, you descend to that greatness, that in God's economy it's, it's, it's a downward movement. Paul says this. Are you ready? Your mind, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Being very nature, God didn't see equality as something to be grasped, but he became human, and he became a servant, and he became humble, and he went to the cross. Your mind should be the same. I don't live my life that way. That's not the standard I use. I wasn't taught that in college. I'm not taught that by my culture. That rattles me to the very core. That's the standard. My mind, my attitude, like Jesus. Just in case you don't quite understand it, if you kick back up there to the third verse of chapter 2, he he kind of just lays it out in a little for some of us that are slower. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What does it mean to have an attitude and mindset like Jesus who went before me? It is to do nothing. To do how much? Do nothing. Yeah, but no nothing. But what about no nothing? You do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. 
How do you know if you have selfish ambition and vain conceit? Are you breathing? In fact, if you're listening to this message, you're catching what Paul is saying to us, and you're saying, I wish so-and-so would hear this message. So-and-so needs this message. That's vain conceit. You're so vain, you probably think this song is not about you. Listen, this message is not for someone else. It's for you. It's for me. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. You can't quite figure that out. How about this? But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Wow. Would that make a difference in your marriage? Would that make a difference in your workplace? Would that make a difference in the church? Would that make a difference in your family relationships? Consider others better than yourselves? Not watered that way. Each one of you, in fact, he says, should look out not only for your self-interest, which you got to look out for your own self-interest, but not only your own self-interest, but also to the interests of others. You put others' interests in front of your interests and have the same mind as Christ Jesus. What's God think about that? How's God look at all that and figure it all out? Back down in verse 10, verse 9, after describing this this downward descent by Jesus, it says, Therefore, God exalted him, Jesus, <clears throat> to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name. Here's Jesus descending as low as he could possibly go, and God says, Whoa, okay, that's enough. Mission accomplished now, above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. What's God think about? That descent into greatness, he honors it so much that he says, in the descent, I, I, I lift you up. Now let me just tell you this. When you live like with the, with the mindset and the attitude of Jesus, no one is, <laughs> you are never going to be lifted to the point where everyone is bowing at your feet and declaring you Lord and giving you all the praise and accolade, that's, that's not how he lifts you up. That's not how he lifts you up. It's not. You'll never hear that from our Lord as he lifts you up. Here's what you'll hear at the end of it all, when it's all said and done and you face Jesus, the throne in heaven or at the judgment seat. If, if, you, if you've lived your life like that, it, the way he will raise you up is with these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant, servant, well done, 
Not well done, my good and faithful leader. Not well done, my good and faithful talented one. Not good, well done, my, my good and faithful president. Well done, my good and faithful preacher. Well done, my good and faithful musician. Well done, my good and faithful giver. Well done, my good and faithful talented one. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because the only way to greatness is on our knees, serving one another. We kick back to last week. The unity, the spirit, the oneness, the purpose of, of going from one to one another is all dependent on an attitude and a mindset of God's followers being like Jesus. In fact, how in the world can the purposes of Jesus ever be forwarded? How can they ever be moved forward on this earth if the followers of Jesus do not take on the very nature of a servant? May it be so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you, uh, you know how to really lay it on the line through your word. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable with it. I mean, I've been at this thing for a long time. And I fall so short. I want to repent, Lord. And I asked anybody else that would would see that to say the same thing, that there's no way we can take on your mind and attitude until we empty ourselves of our selfish ambition and our vain conceit. So today, we empty. We surrender. You are Lord. Let every knee bow. Let every tongue confess. On earth, under earth, and at McDowell Mountain Community Church. In your name we pray.